Let's get in the Word. Get your Bibles out with me this morning. Turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is, we're continuing on in our Back to Basics. How many of y'all have been here over our series for Back to Basics? I hope that you've been touched. I hope that you've been ministered to. I'm going to pull out a new one uh, this morning that I really believe will minister to you uh, because I believe this is something that we deal with a lot more than we admit to. And so this morning, I'm believing, I'm not hoping, I'm believing that this word will take you from point A to point B. Um, let me just say that, from point A to point Z, to get you all the way through and to show God's faithfulness to you as you continue to walk in your walk as a believer. You ready for this? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you got it, say, I got it. If you don't say, help me, Jesus. There's some people still needing help. Lord, touch them right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 in verse 9, it says this. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure, hello, in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, go before us. Guide us as we learn today, as we grow today, as we're challenged today, as we are changed from glory to glory by your word. We give you praise for what you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Before we can get into the breakdown of this scripture, I need to give you the backstory that leads us to this moment. Paul is having a moment with God. He is going through a struggle. Some theologians believe that it is at this point that he is referring to the eye ailment that happened for Paul went blind when he had an experience with God. And they were saying that some theologians believe that what he's complaining about is that his eyes are still struggling to focus. His eyes are still struggling, but, but there's a reason that he went through that. Some theologians say that he was going going through a moment that uh, he was dealing with the church and its condition and the struggles. Either way, the top uh, definition, the top title of this section in your Bibles, most of them say uh, a thorn in his flesh. Yeah. Anybody have a thorn in your flesh? Come on, come on, work with me. No, Pastor, I don't have any thorns. Everything's perfect in my life. There's no struggles. I am great all the time. Let me try this again. This is interactive church. Uh, how many of you have a thorn in your side sometimes? It's okay to admit you have a thorn in your flesh. You are not perfect. You were not created perfect. You will never be perfect. You serve the perfect one, but you have to embrace what you have. So come on one more time. I got a thorn in my flesh. Praise God for the thorn in your flesh. Okay, so Paul's dealing with a moment, and he says, there's a thorn in my side. There's a struggle that I'm dealing with. There's a circumstance, a situation that I'm going through. Uh, a thorn in my flesh is defined, if you look it up, as a, a, a continuous problem or an annoyance. Some people, for, for some of you, that's a person. Amen. Uh, for some of you, that's your boss. For some of you, that's your job. For, for some of you, that's your, your car or your house or, 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 or your yard, like me. I don't like mowing grass, and that's a, that's a thorn in my flesh. Amen. I, I mow it begrudgingly. Amen. Okay. Don't drive by me and wave at me while I'm mowing grass. I'm not going to look happy. Amen. We all got thorns. We got, we, got, we got moments. We got struggles. I get a thorn every school morning when I have to wake my kids up, and they look at me and go, Dad, no, not today. Yes, you're going to school, Jack. I got thorns. You got thorns. But this morning, this scripture that we're going to deal with is going to show you how to deal with your thorn. Because let me help you with something. I am tired of watching believers worship God while on the inside they're complaining about the thorns in their flesh. God, I worship you, but if you just deal with this. God, I worship you, but I'm tired of this. God, I worship you, but I'm, this, this, this shouldn't be in me. Paul is dealing with a moment where he is going through a struggle, and instead of him complaining, he's declaring. So I want to break down this scripture in verse 9 and 10 for you this morning. Are you ready? It says in verse 9 at the very beginning, it says, And he said to me, and when I was reading that, God said, stop. And I said, God, why, why do you want me to stop? He said, how many things have I told you? You've told me a lot. How many things have you accepted? Some. How many things have you argued with? Most. And all the while, what I was trying to do was speak to your thorn. 
He said in the beginning of this, Paul says this, he says, and he said to me. When you read that and you break that down, it is a definitive declaration by God himself. Can I ask you this for just a moment? Why is it that when we read scripture, we have a tendency to argue with what the word says when the word is full of definitive declarations about your life? We have a tendency to argue with what God says. We have a tendency to try to work, work it down, break it down, bleed it out, water it down so that it doesn't have the same potency or maybe it doesn't have the same effect on our flesh. Do you understand that every word that God spoke in his word was to deal with your flesh? Every word that God spoke was to deal with you, not with everything around you, but to deal with you as a person, as a believer, as a person who calls yourself a man or a woman after God. God says, my word didn't come so you could feel comfortable. My word came to evict the places that I'm trying to deliver you from. And so he said this, he says, and he said to me, and, and as I'm sitting there and I'm reading that, God's dealing with me. He says, Brian, I have been speaking since you came out of your womb, out of your mother's womb. I have been speaking to you since you came out of your mother's womb. The, the only reason that you haven't heard me every time because there are moments in your life that you didn't believe what I said. He said to me, a definitive statement. How many things has God said in his word or spoken to us in a moment of prayer that we doubted? It's time for you and I to live in the he said it, not the hope one day it comes to pass. There are things that God, you don't have a problem telling people that God created the heavens and the earth. Then can we take that same definitive statement in the Bible and say that God created me? In the image of him? Can we start declaring the word as if he said it, not as if he suggested it? And if he said it, then that settles it. He said, my grace. Oh, here it comes. He said, my grace. Uh, I got to give you some definition of grace, but I need to break down some things about grace for you for a minute. The word grace here in the scripture, it is, comes from the Greek word called charis, also where we get the word charity from. It's a gift. It refers, though, in this moment as to Christ's power to help someone endure hardship, to be strengthened when struggling physically, mentally, or spiritually, or experience forgiveness. That's why his Bible says his grace is sufficient. Okay, but let me help you with something. Grace can also be defined as unmerited favor not unmerited excuses. Okay, I got, I got to deal with this for a second because I got, I got to fix this at the church. Grace is not an excuse to sin, hoping that God, or believing that God will just overlook your sin. Sin without repentance is death. I'm just trying to help you. For those of you that got stuck on the grace train, well, I can go do whatever I want to, and God just knows my heart. He does, and he's grieved. He does. He knows your heart and he's grieved by it. He won't quit on you, but he's grieved by it. Because if you continue to choose sin when he's already saved you, then he starts to wonder why he even did it. So instead of us getting lost in the grace train where we go, well, it's okay. God knows my heart. No, no. God fulfills my heart and therefore I have no desire to live outside of grace or even need grace. Because grace saved me. I was saved by grace. I didn't keep running out to sin without grace. I am saved by grace. Therefore, I stay in grace. Therefore, I never leave his grace. Somebody said it to me years ago. I said, grace gives you the ability to make a mistake without dying for it. Because it was his grace that saved you. But it doesn't mean that you have access while you live in sin. God in his grace gives us what we do not deserve. And in his mercy, he does not give us what we do deserve. God's grace should enable us to rise above our circumstance or our circumstances, overcome our struggles and walk in his forgiveness. Can I just say this to you for a second? Do not, and I'm begging you as a pastor, as a minister, as a person who loves God, as a person who has walked in the very fine line between heaven and hell. Do not use grace. God, I got to edit right now. Do not use grace as a hinge point to your existence, but rather the open arms of God where you desire to dwell. Stay in that place. Stop running outside of his grace and getting mad because he's not gracious to your ignorance. Because this is what we're doing to God now. God, 
I, I used to be right with you. I used to be right here, but it's okay. You stay here. I'm going to go over here. And this space between me and you is grace. Uh-uh, that's mercy, Jack. This is grace. This, this is the grace of God. Because over there, I don't see the shepherd, but over here, I'm right next to him. Ah, his grace, his grace, his grace. God, I, I, I need you to understand, he says, and he said, my grace. Ah, it gets even better. It says, my grace is sufficient. He said it's sufficient, not an excuse for poor behavior. It's sufficient. Sometimes good God does not meet the need by substitution, but other times he meets the need by transformation. He doesn't remove the affliction, but he gives us his grace so that the affliction works for us and not against us. The test and trial will always be there. Somebody say, help me, Jesus. Because here's what we've thought. If I get saved, all my problems go away. Is you crazy? Have you lost it? The moment you got saved, did it not seem like that Monday morning when you woke up, all hell broke loose? I don't know about you, but that's what it happened in my life. It was like, man, I got saved. And Monday morning, it's like, bombs are going off. Things are going off. God, what happened? My grace is sufficient. I'm good enough for you today as I was last night or as I was yesterday morning when I called you, when I spoke to your heart and called you to an altar for repentance, and I'm the same God that was there yesterday morning, I'm the same God on Monday morning, here's the difference. You came to me. You came to me. Now you got to stay with me. And when you have an awareness of God, you now become very aware of the enemy. See, when you were in sin, you weren't aware of the enemy. You didn't see him. He was a part of your life. He was like a friend. He was always in the room stealing from you, but you didn't even know it. But the moment you fell into the grace of God, fell into the arms of God, now the enemy becomes very apparent. It wasn't that the attack all of a sudden started. It's that you could finally see the doggone thing. And he says in this, he said, my grace is sufficient. Do you know that God's grace is sufficient for you? So stop making your own. Stop creating your own. Stop creating your own plans, your own purposes, your own way of doing things. Just do it according to his word. Do it according to his promises. Do it according to his plan and watch what he does in your life. Listen, get over what you want and get into what he's always wanted. Because what you want doesn't compare to what God wants for you. Trust me when I tell you, I had ideas of what I wanted and it almost ended me in a wrong place. It almost ended me not with her. It almost ended me with not my four beautiful kids. It almost ended with me not in this church pastoring. It almost ended me locked up in jail. But God's grace was sufficient. But let me help you with something. On my way to the, jail, to the courtroom, I had to get close to the grace of God, not close to my own desires. Ah, God, I, I need you. I don't want to be away from you anymore. So whatever I got to do, I'll do it. I'll give you everything I got, everything in my life. I'll live without anything just to be close to you. Are you really willing to allow the grace of God to be that strong in your existence? To allow the grace of God to overtake you and for it to become sufficient for you? Do you understand that sufficiency is, is opposite of insufficiency? Insufficiency, when you have an insufficient grace in your life, that's when you start complaining. You know how I know when people aren't close to the grace of God? Listen to their mouths. Because if God's grace is sufficient, you won't complain because you understand that through every trial and tribulation, God always makes a way of escape. You understand that the Bible says a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. You start to understand that you are blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in your coming, blessed in your going. You understand that God's grace is sufficient. And if God's grace is sufficient, then God's sufficient. For he shall supply Help me, Jesus. Uh, he doesn't remove the affliction, but come on, God, I gave you my life. Can't you take away the affliction? But he gives us his grace so that the affliction works for us and not against us. His grace is sufficient. It's adequate. It's complete. It's more than enough. Stop trying to fill yourselves or fill your lives or your moments with something other than his grace. Get rid of your opinions. Get rid of your stinking thinking. Get rid of your excuses and walk in his grace. It's more than enough. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Can, can I just change the terminology for just a moment? I'm not rewriting scripture. God 
in all of himself is sufficient for me. Grace is not an attribute of God. It is God. It's not an attribute for a moment. It is God. I am tired of us as believers living in moments of God. As if God has some kind of weird character that causes him to be split personalities. As if he's only good at certain moments for certain things. Certain moments for certain things. God is everything. And if we understand that and walk in that, then we stop complaining about what God hasn't done, but we understand that God has done all things. Pastor, but you don't know the struggles I'm going through. No, but I know a God that's bigger than your struggles. But Pastor, you don't don't know all the hell I went through growing up as a kid, but I know the God that walked through you. That's why you're sitting in the room. But Pastor, you don't understand. I I just have all these issues. I get it. You want to claim the issues, but I want to claim the Savior. I want to claim the promise, not the problem. I don't want to claim the struggle anymore. I don't want to claim the, the woe is me pity party. Come on, work with me for a second. I'm, hey, I have a problem with believers who claim God and then have side by, sidebar pity parties. Oh, God, I, you're the greatest God. I don't understand what I'm going through. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. There is a double-mindedness in the body of believers today because we claim something on Sunday because we really look good on Sundays. But come that Monday morning when all hell breaks loose, come on, work with me for a second. Tim and I got jokes about it. We expect it on a Monday. Anybody want to join the team? It's like, man, Sunday was fire. Sunday was powerful. Sunday, man, I'm ready to go. Monday, boom. Tim and I look at each other and go, well, it's Monday. Why? Because here's what I know. For every inch I take from hell... The enemy wants to take an inch out of me. So I understand that my life is going to cause problems. And I understand that the enemy is going to come try to sidetrack me from doing what I'm called in purpose to do. But his grace is sufficient for me. And he goes on in verse 9. He says, it's for my strength. Whose strength? Oh, I wasn't talking about yours, was he? He says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Have you ever read that and gone, that makes no sense? How is your strength made perfect in weakness? And whose weakness are you talking about? Are you calling me weak? Yep. God is not referring to your strength, but his strength in you. Your weakness in moments provides him the opportunity to show his power in you and through you. I don't know if you realize this yet. You are not your own. You are his. You were created, designed, and placed on this earth. Not because, well, I got to be careful how I wrote that one here. Not because your parents had a moment, but because God ordained you before the foundations of the earth. He created you for that. Can somebody get this in their spirit? I know sometimes we look at life and go, why am I here? Because God put you here. He didn't put you 300 years ago, He didn't put you a thousand years ago. He put you in this moment. Why? For His purpose his glory, for his namesake. He said, and in this moment, my strength, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Better yet, your weakness allows God to become your power. We try to be strong in our own rights, in our own doings, in our own walks, but that's the problem. We're doing it on our own. We claim a big God, but we do not live a big God. We claim a big God, but we don't walk with a big God. We claim a big God, but we don't worship a big God. We worship on Sundays because the room demands it. But when it comes to Mondays or Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays or Fridays or Saturdays, we have a problem getting back to that place. Why? Because we're still trying to do it on our own. Here's the problem. You were never created to do it on your own. You were created to need a savior. This is the problem. We keep doing this on our own. Churches are crumbling because we do it on our own. Ministries are failing because we do it on our own, in our own right, under our own namesake. Somebody said to me years ago, I said, Pastor, you know, you ought to start a ministry, call it Brian Dean Ministries. I said, are you stupid? (laughs) Brian Dean Ministries? You dumb? I said, why would I ever declare ministry with my own name? My name is not the ministry, it's his. Can I just give you another sidebar? Why do I need a ministry to do his work? 
See, we've gotten caught up in this thing. We've gotten, we've gotten caught up. We've gotten caught up in the notoriety. We've gotten caught up in the celebrity. We've gotten caught up in the, the bright lights and the big churches and the pulpits and the podiums and the entourages and the people who serve you and blah, 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 blah. Shut up. Be a servant of God and let God handle the rest. And let God use you in the way he chooses to use you. And embrace it and understand that with him using you, there will be struggles. But God has overcome them already. Just rest. We try to be strong in our own rights. We try to do it on our own. We present ourselves strong instead of humbly coming before the throne of God. Can I just say this to you? Stop showing up to God with your chest stuck out and your arms in flex mode with the S on your chest. Because what that tells God is that you're already bigger than he is. I've said this for years. There is a problem with what I like to call the full-grown believer. That's the one that walks in the church and can't hear anything because their brain is too locked up. Their ears are too clogged up. And it's not because of the hay fever or the pollen outside that's clogging it up. It's because they have not utilized what God gave them. They're just sitting on what happened a long time ago. And they're not hearing anything new. Well, I've already heard that before. Can I tell you this? There is no word in that book you've already heard. Yes, I have, Pastor. I've been saved since I came out the womb. I was born into the grace of God. Well, praise God for you, but there's still word you haven't heard yet. You want to know why? Because if the word you've already heard, then the word stops being revelation. It becomes your own opinions. Because every time I read this, something new pops off the page. I can read one scripture one day, read it the same day, same thing the next day, read it the same thing the next day, read the same thing, and by five days, I got five different messages. Why? Because his word, kid, goes on and 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 on. You are not grown. You're still weak. You're still a baby. Enjoy the ride. Because here's the thing. It's funny to me. My kid, my son, Asher, still comes to me and says, Daddy, I want to hold you. And I think that's always funny because I'm like, well, hold me. Amen. Praise God. How many of y'all would love to have somebody that would pick you up and carry you? Come on, work with me for a second. We were just out of town, and we walked a lot, and I wish somebody would have carried me. Amen. I didn't realize my feet could go that far. Amen. And, 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 and I wish somebody could me. Here's the great thing. When God becomes your strength and you understand that weakness is a part of who you have to be, then he allows God to pick you up. Stop coming to him with your chest out, flexing your muscles, wearing an S on your chest, flexing your Bible skills or your longevity in your church seats. Well, I've been in this church for 30 years. And you're just as anointed as the person that walked in for the first time today. Praise God for you. I don't understand what it is that we, 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 have to, we have to have achievements. Can we just be men and women after God? Can we just be people who desire to live according to his purpose and plan? Can we just embrace that we were all created in his image? Can we just, can, can we stop? Listen, color is not the only thing that segregates the church. Religion does too. Pious pride does too. Well, I've been saved for 30 years. Great. That's great. You're great. You're so wonderful. But if you ever get to a point where you're so saved that you're better than someone else, understand that you have gone back to the beginning, not, not where you've been called to be. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. If you, if you keep going to God and saying, look how big I am, then you're already strong and you're saying to God, you don't have anything I need. He said, my strength, my power in you is made perfect in your weakness. Listen, you don't go to the gym and tell the trainer how to train. That's how you get in trouble. That's how you end up throwing up before the series is over. That's what I'm telling you. Like, I understand. I've done that. Well, I think I'll do this. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep playing. You don't go to the surgeon and tell him how to operate as you're going under. And you don't tell God what to do or how to walk with you. You just understand that his grace, him, God in his entirety is sufficient for you, for his strength is made perfect in your weakness. Are you okay with being weak? Well, no, pastor. Culture tells me to be strong. I've got, I've got to be strong. i, I got to be strong. Stop it. You're killing yourself. You're dying in your own strength. You're trying so hard to stay strong, and God says, rest in me. Rest in me. What did we talk about last week? 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He makes me lie down. And he's trying to get you to stop trying to be tough all the time. It, can you admit, this is what I have a problem with. Ready? Ready? This, this is one of my biggest struggles. When you go to people and go, hey, man, how you doing? Man, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Shut up. <laughs> my kids didn't get up this morning. They were arguing in the house. We couldn't get anything to work. My kids wouldn't get in the car. I wanted to scream and cuss all at the same time, but I knew I couldn't because then I have to go to the church and repent this morning. But yeah, it's been a rough morning. I just need to be honest. Ah! No, I woke up this morning, and as I got out of the bed, I heard the angel of the Lord whispering my name. And as I heard those voices, I said, God, I'm coming to you. As I stepped out of the bed, it was like I didn't even touch the floor. I just elevated off the floor and just moved all the way to that place where I heard the voices. And then I stood there in the glory of God, and I gazed upon his beauty. And then as I was standing there, my children came fully dressed into the bedroom and said, Mom and Dad, we are now ready for church this morning. We have fed ourselves. We have clothed ourselves. And I went, look, isn't God good? If that is your life, please write a book and tell me how you did it. Because I got some thorns, baby. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, no, I need you to just be like, you know what? This morning was jacked up. I walked in, my wife walked in this morning. She doesn't mind telling me, and I can always, you know, when you're married, you, you know, your wife doesn't have to say anything. You just feel it coming. She walked in, she walked right past my office. I went, oh, Jesus. It's, uh, I know I didn't do nothing. Praise God. I'm good this morning. I, Kissed my wife before I left. I told her I loved her. I know I didn't do anything. Amen. I answered the phone when she called this afternoon looking for something. All right, good. I'm good. She came back in the office and said, baby, y'all you, know this is a loaded question. You okay? Just biting down, hoping that it's not going to be about me. She's like, well, it's a Sunday, and you know how the kids are, and it's arguing and fussing and fighting, and no one wants to get dressed, and everybody's hungry, and they're complaining about everything. That's normal. What I have a problem with people go, I don't have any problems. <laughs> For real? How'd you get there? Because, man, I must be messed up. It's okay to admit that you're not as tough as you want to be. But I'm going to help you with something. When you can admit to where you're weak, God steps in and goes, watch this. Watch what I do in them. I, I have this, this thought, and it's... It, it's kind of dumb, but it's my thought. I would rather be stupid in a situation than act like I have wisdom. If you come to me and say, Pastor, I was reading this scripture. I'm going to be honest with you. Pastor, I was reading Isaiah 42. Please do not think that because I'm a preacher, I know exactly what you read. <laughs> Got it? I probably don't. Sorry. Maybe you're more holy than I am, but I do not. I have not memorized the scriptures from front to back. Pastor, I was reading in Isaiah 42. Please give me the context of what you read. Because I am now lost. Jesus wept. That's where I'm at. I'm stuck. But people come to me and go, I was reading. And I don't mind going, what did you read? Because I don't know. <gasps> but you're the preacher. You're supposed to know everything. Are you kidding me? No. I'm still in the process of growth. See, here's the good thing. Weakness and lack of strength means you still have room to grow. But if you are fully in your strength, then there is no room for you to be changed. So I have learned that I'm better off being stupid in a moment than having all the wisdom that I think I have. Don't tell me you know things. Just admit you don't. Hey, I don't know. Somebody said, Pastor, I'm reading this scripture, and I'm not sure what this means. I'm not going to give you some theological, prophetic statement in the middle of it. You know what I'm going to tell you? Can I go pray about that a little bit before I come back to you with an answer? Because I really don't know what to tell you right now. But you're the pastor you're supposed to know right now. No, I'm not. You didn't know. Why can't I not know? <laughs> he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And he goes on. He says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Help us, Jesus. These infirmities were not sin, but struggles in life. Grace does not give you the ability to boast in your sin. Or to brag or to find satisfaction in your sin or make excuses for it. It gives you the ability 
to overcome it. That's why his grace is sufficient. The sufficiency of his grace is to make you an overcomer, not to put, keep you in the process of being a sinner. He said, I would gladly talk with satisfaction in my own struggles. When was the last time you celebrated over your struggles? He says, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may be upon me. Maybe the reason the power of Christ hasn't hit you yet is because we spend too much time complaining about the problems of life rather than celebrating God's goodness in the midst of it. What are you saying in the midst of your struggles? Complaining and and comparing or declaring and decreeing? Declarations and decreeing a thing are two different things. Got it? Declaring something says I'm speaking something into existence. Got it? Decreeing is a proclamation a king always made over his people. It is a repetitive say. So if I'm decreeing, I'm decreeing the words, what the king already spoke over me. Hello. 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 Have you read your Bible? I haven't read in there that says you go live this life without any problems. He didn't say that. He says through every trial and tribulation, he says, I'll make the crooked path straight. He's in, he admits to there's, he, he tells you there's going to be struggles in this life. There's going to be things, but please rest, be easy. Know that I've overcome all those things. Go to sleep. Crawl up in the boat. Take a nap. It's going to be all right. I know the boat's shaking and rocking, but you're going to make it. You're not going to die in this thing, but you might die in this thing if you don't grab onto the right thing. Stop complaining and comparing. Start declaring and decreeing. Celebrate in your struggles, and you will see God in the midst. It goes on in verse 10. It says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. He goes on just a little bit further. He says, not only, not only would I rather boast in my infirmities, but I take pleasure. Pastor, pastor. That's going too far. I am not Paul. Paul was a disciple. I am not him. Paul is greater than me. No, he's not. He just finally accepted the greatness of God in him. He said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. Pleasure is defined as this, a feeling of happy satisfaction and enjoyment. (laughs) All of y'all look at me like, "Uh uh-uh, not today. Every time that comes in my life, that's the devil. I'm just giving it to the devil. That's the problem. Because the moment you give it to the devil, you give the devil access to your existence. See, here's what he's trying to say. He's like, look, listen, in all of these things, in all of these moments, I'm going to give God the glory before I give the enemy the glory. I've said this over the years. I said, you know, unfortunately, the church in some areas have become, they should be called not the church of Christ, but the church of the devil. Why? Because we tend to worship the devil more than we tend to worship the one who saved us. We tend to give the devil a lot more credit than we give God credit. We don't worship God in problems. We complain about problems. Post it on Facebook. Post it on Instagram. Tell the world. Call my mama. It's all going to fix. No, it's not. It's just going to prolong it. Rather than I'm going to take a step back, lift up my hands and say, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to worship you through it. God, I don't understand why I had to go through this, but I, you know, I give you praise for it. Because I, I know you, you, you are always going to be with me. You're not going to fail me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. And listen, I get it because we all have needs. We all have things we, we need, need to happen. In. And God, where are you at in this? And God says, shh. Because the only reason you can't find it is because you're too frantically searching. Rather than understanding that with me in your midst, you will always find what I need you to have. See, Paul is going, listen. All these things, these statements, these, 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 these things, these uh, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distress. Anybody go through some of this stuff? Amen. Oh, God, what are we going to do? Come on, work with me for a second. It creates anxiety. Oh, oh God, oh, God, how are we going to make it through this? God, God what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Oh, God, oh, God. And God's going, stop. Why was I good enough to save you, but I'm not good enough to keep you? Why was I good enough to deliver you from sin, but I can't hold you in the midnight hour? Is really, am, am I just a one-hit wonder in your existence? And when that one hit wears off, you go look for it somewhere else? Can I just sell, sell you this? Anxiety? Anxiety. And, and, and listen, I know people deal with anxiety. But anxiety gets it worse, gets its worst when you are bound to the thought and you cannot get yourself over the space to declare God bigger than the circumstance. I know people that go through this. I know people that struggle with anxiety, high levels of anxiety. And there's been moments where I've had conversations with myself, okay, time out. I get it. I understand it. But hold on. God's got it. 
I know you don't see it yet, but God's got it. Just rest. Yeah, but, 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 don't just rest. I know. I know it's hard. I get it. I know it's tough. I know there's moments. I know this is a thorn, but hang on to God's grace because it's sufficient. I promise you we're going to work. We're going to get through this storm. And when you come out on the other side, you're going to have a, a story to tell and a testimony to give because of God's goodness, because his grace is still sufficient. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Yeah. Sometimes you just got to overcome, but the grace gives you the ability to overcome what your mind wants to get locked into. You gotta hold on to his grace. It's sufficient. Take pleasure in your infirmities. Celebrate your struggles. When you get stuck in traffic, don't cuss. Worship. When you're at Walmart and you can't find the aisle because somebody decided to go in the self checkout lane with 62 items, y'all know what I'm talking about. For real. Or you get to the register and then all of a sudden it just shuts down. That was a liar. Gonna find my peace. Can I tell you how to break the struggle of that anxiety? This works for me every time. Every time. And I'm not saying I do it every time, but it works for me every time. If I'm in line and I, I'm feeling that frantic, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Y'all ever get those moments? Gotta get out, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Step back and let somebody go in front of you. I'm gonna help y'all with something. Every time you step back and let somebody go in front of you, the person who needs to go in front of you got way more items than you have. And when I've done that, God says, back up. Rest. Take a breath. I know you think this is a struggle, but I got grace for you in this moment. Breathe. Life is too great for you to be that stressed out. I'm going to worship in my infirmities. I'm going to worship in my struggles, in my persecutions, in my distress. God, you get all the glory for this. He says you do it for Christ's sake so that I might bring glory to him. Not for my glory's sake, not for my own statue moments or my own trophy moments, but for his glory's sake, that understanding that I'm a vessel for his glory. He goes on in the last part of verse 10. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I need you to understand it's okay to be weak. God didn't create you with bravado and machismo. He didn't create you to have pride. Those are byproducts of you not understanding his strength in you. The Bible says pride comes before the fall. And when pride steps in, pride creates you to stumble, to put you back down on your knees, to remind you that you cannot do this on your own. I have learned, if not anything more this last year, than this. My life is fragile, but my God is big. I can be here one day, gone the next. I take every moment as if it were my last now. I had moments. I've had moments. God, I don't understand why I got to walk through this. Why, why does everybody else get to live a great life? But man, I got to go through all this foolishness. Like, why do, why do I got to deal with this? And God says, Brian, understanding that everything that happens in your life is for my sake. Because you're a vessel of mine, not a vessel of your own. And I built you and created you and formed you so that you could carry something bigger than you. So Relax. Because all the struggles, all the tests, all the trials is to put the pressure on the vessel so that God can know that it is sustainable to carry his glory. Why did I go through the hard thing? Why have I been through the struggles I've been through? Why did I, I was a homeless for a season. Why did I go to jail as many times as I did? Why did all these things happen in my life? Brian, because all that time, although you thought it was of your own doing or da-da-da, all these things, Brian, I allowed for those things to happen because I was perfecting you through the process because I knew you had something big to carry. And because I knew what I wanted to pour in you. And you couldn't carry it if you didn't walk through those things. I, 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 somebody said to me, Pastor, why do I have to go through this? Because you'll have a story to tell others that are going through it as you come out of it. 
I sat down with a young man who's going through some things this, right before I went out of town. And, 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 and we were talking. I said, listen, don't get lost in what you're going through. Understand that all of this has a purpose. But it sucks. I get it. But stop asking. Watch. Stop asking the whys and the why me's. And understand that everything has a what. Everything that you go through in your life, every struggle that you have has a what. The what is what it's going to bring through the process. Don't get lost in the whys and don't build the why me pity parties. You can ask the whys, but understand that you're trying to get to the what. Let me read this last piece as we close this morning because I want to read it from the message. And I don't usually read from this, but I love the way it reads in this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10 out of the message, it says this. It says, because of the extravagance of those revelations that we're talking about what Paul had with the revelations of God, he said, and so I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is sufficient. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to side, abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. I was powerful. But go do me a favor, Malachi, go back to the end of verse 10 where it says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. No, in the, in the New King James Version for just a second. Yeah, there you go. If I could for just a second, for when I am weak, that refers to me. But as I was reading this, I saw quotations over I am. When I am weak, then the I am becomes strong. He says, I am the I am. There is no definition that holds God and bounds God to one place. He is the great I am. What do you mean I am? I am all that you'll need for my grace is sufficient for you. And in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. And when you are weak, I am strong in you. You are not weak. You are weak in your own right. But in him, baby, you are the toughest person on the planet. It is time that we start living that way then these thorns stop affecting us. You can have thorns all over, but you know what? God's grace is sufficient. And I'm going to rest in him. Everybody stand to your feet. So here's my altar call. You ready? Here it comes. You ready? Don't, don't run out the room just yet. Here's my altar call. If you're tired... If you're worn out, if you feel weak, you need God's strength, get to this altar without any questions. Get to the altar right now. Move now, 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 now. Don't even think about it. You know who I'm talking to. Move. Oh, but Pastor, I don't want to admit I'm weak. Sit in your pride and see how long it lasts for you. I don't want to admit I'm weak. This is the problem. We won't admit it. And then we're bound to our own pain. Come on. This is going to go in waves, so just bear with me for a second. These are the ones that know where they are. These are the ones that know that they're weak. Okay, great. You know you're going through a weak moment. That's fine. But maybe you're in this place. You say, Pastor, I need more strength. Come to the altar. You need more strength. Come to the altar. layers to this. You're going to catch it in a second. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I'm not here to be your buddy either. I need more strength. You don't have to move them, Pastor Troy. They're good right where they are. 
Okay, now I'm going to say something. And this is not to hurt anybody's feelings. But when I said if I need to be stronger or I need more strength, all of us should have moved to the altar. I'll explain to you why. So you understand why. And this is not, for those of you still in your seats, this is not to call you out. This is so that I can bring understanding to this word. I am a person that every day I need the strength of God to carry me. And the moment I think I'm strong enough is the moment I resort back to the weakest points of my existence before God moved in. So every day of my life, I need the strength of God. So many times when we have altar calls, we think that that's for the people that are broken. The altar call is not just for the broken, it's for the whole as well. The altar is a place where you come and submit yourself. God, do your best work in me. And so I just want to encourage you from the front to the back all week long, understand that tomorrow morning you're going to need his strength again. And on Tuesday morning, you, so, oh, Pastor, I came on Sunday. Isn't that, wasn't that good enough? Nope, it wasn't. Because tomorrow morning you're going to find new weaknesses. You're going to find new struggles and new circumstances. You're going to have to lift up your hands and find his strength in the middle of it. So you're standing up here at this altar, whether you feel weak, whether you need to be stronger, whatever it is, whatever I ask you to do is just lift your hands as high as they'll go. Close your eyes for just a moment. Don't look at me. I can't give you the answer. Right where you stand, whatever's been weighing you down, I need you to put it down. You can't change it. But God can. Your weak points are because you're carrying things that you were never meant to carry. There is only one thing that God ever told you to carry, and that was your cross. Put everything else down. You were not meant to be perfect. You were created to serve the perfect one. Let that struggle go. Achievements and successes don't win you the prize of heaven. Giving your life to God in its completeness will. Say this with me. I don't need you to shout it. I just need you to declare it with your eyes closed. This is for you. Say, I give up. Oh, here's a good one. Say, God, I'm tired. I'm worn out. But I'm going to be all right. Because your grace is sufficient for me. So, God, strengthen me, please. I need your strength. I'm tired of working in my own. I need yours. Now. Strongholds being broken. Chains being shattered. Look at me as we close, as we finish this. I need to say this to you because I... This bothers me in the church a lot. It, it's a struggle for me, and I, I wish it would go away. I am not perfect. And understand what I mean by that. So many times people come to me and they go, Pastor, you must have all the answers. I don't. I, 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 was, I was attacked with thoughts just this week. Things from my past, the enemy was like, ah, and you, you say, Pastor, will you serve God? It should all go away. Uh-uh. The enemy's looking for weak links, exhaustion, weariness in my armor so that he can snake in to try to take me out. I know those things exist. And, and when the thought would come out, i go, God, no, I, I, that's not. And at first I want to go, God, I thought we dealt with this. And then I just stepped back and said, I know how to get through this. Hey, God, I worship you. And whatever has crept into my mind to make me think that I am less than who you created me to be, God, I surrender that thing to you right now. God, my mind is in its right space, in its right place with you. 
all of a sudden, everything started to flee. I need you to understand, God doesn't need you to be perfect. Stop. Ah, just be you. Let God use you. You are perfect in his eyes. Just trust it. You're good enough. But stay in the grace of God. Stay in his grace. Stay in his grace. Stay in his grace. And when things come, worship him. Worship him like you've never had before. Not because you need him to fix it, but because you know that when I worship him through the circumstances, I find my strength. You're weak. But in him, you're strong. Find your strength in the right place, not the wrong place. There's no amount of gym you can go to that'll give you this strength. This strength is found when you rest in the grace of God. Take the hand of the neighbor standing next to you. I hope and pray that this word helps you. I hope that it strengthens you. But let me tell you this, that I've understood this for years. The moment a word is given, it will always be challenged. The moment a word is delivered, there will always be challenged to follow it. And you will be required to apply what has been spoken today. And you can go back and do it the way you've always done it and complain about how weak you are. Or you can take about five steps back, lift your hands, lift your voice, and just worship him. And just give it to him and trust him. You are good just the way you are. Find strength in him. And he'll handle the rest. Father, for every person standing at this altar, for every person in this house this morning, Father, I thank you that your grace is sufficient. Who I find peace in that statement. That your grace is sufficient for me. But God, the prerequisite to that grace is me boasting in my infirmities. Me celebrating and finding satisfaction and enjoyment in the struggles of life, knowing that, God, you are with me all the time. God, I celebrate life's hardships, knowing that it is through the hardships that will give me an amazing testimony to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. Father, I do not run away from struggle. I run to it so that you might receive glory. Father, give us strength. I just feel it in this place. There's a fresh wind of strength being blown through this house. Strength for your soul. Strength for your body. Strength for your mind. Strength for your heart. Strength for your families. Strength on your job. Strength everywhere you go. Strength in the name of Jesus. I declare strength in this place. I decree strength in this house strength over your people Father this week we're going to walk in that all week long when the Mondays show up God we're going to worship you when the Tuesdays follow it we're going to worship you when the Wednesday the midweek hump day shows up God we're going to keep worshiping you and Father our worship is not going to get louder because it's Friday closer to Sunday but Father our worship is going to stay continuous throughout the week knowing that Sunday's coming Because that'll be the day where we get to go declare and decree the goodness of God unto all generations. Father, today, give us your strength. And let us hold on to your grace that's sufficient.